close with that song. Appreciate that. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 this evening as well. And read already in Psalm 127 and uh, picked that up as well. But good to be here tonight. Just a quick announcement before we get into the message. For those of you coming just for the, the outreach, there was an outreach meeting after the service. That's going to be postponed till next week. And um, uh, Brother Jim and, and Becky, um, they've had some car troubles, so please pray for them. They're stuck north of Kabulcha. So just pray for them. The tow truck's on its way, but I told him if, um, if they're stuck, call me. We'll come pick them up, all right? But just pray for them, and um, I know that they had a good day um, today out, out Bush, but um, for those of you involved in that, just uh, be mindful that'll be uh, postponed. But um, we read there in Psalm 127, really just a, just a, the key thought, you know, we were thinking through and, and talking about spiritual fruit and recognizing that in our lives. We already covered last week about the fact that really it's a fruit of our own decisions. And then also just the, the fact that we as believers, God, has built into us the ability to bear fruit and that we ought to desire to be fruitful Christians because really through that we glorify the Lord. And that's really what, what our lives and our great purpose is about. It's about, to, it's about glorifying God. And, you know, it's, uh, we mentioned briefly this morning that really God's not interested about our happiness more than our holiness. And there's fruitfulness in that as well. And in Psalm 127, we saw there in verse 3, um, the next fruit that we're going to look at, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And I think we understand that, that there's a fruitfulness in, um, in childbearing that, the, that God has built into the physical life. Um, in Genesis 1, we read in a couple of different places last week, but let's just be reminded again. In verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. So we see that God from the beginning, he even in regard to the earth and all of the, uh, the trees and the, the, um, all of the different herbs and all of that, God built in that they can bear fruit of its kind. And we saw that in verse 21, that even God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every wing fell after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And he built into his creation this, uh, this, this fruitfulness, this, uh, this, this um, following after their kind, that kind of fruitfulness, and it was really just God replenishing and God continuing to... Uh, to, to allow the, his creation to propagate. We see that he's given that to mankind as well. In verse 28, And God blessed them, and God had said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And we won't take the time, but even after, after the fall, we see that that was still part of uh, the, God's blessing upon humanity was that they were a, that Adam and Eve even after the garden they were still able to reproduce children and we see that it was after their kind if you uh, look at the language in the book of acts about the the early church it was still about increase it was still about adding it was still about multiplying 
And, and we see that, that God was interested in, in giving the, the fruit of the womb or the fruit after our kind. And I think we understand that there's great blessing with children. You know, uh, if, I don't know if you've ever been to a church where there's, there's not really many children. It's just a different atmosphere. You know, the laughter the, that, that children brings, that, that energy, that, that vitality, and there's a joyfulness. And, and I think if you're a parent here tonight, um, whilst it's hard work to have children, it's also a great joy. Right, parents? Let's encourage our kids. It's a joy. And, and that ought to be a, a, a point of rejoicing that God has given us, as he calls it, the fruit of the womb. Um, you know, it, it, there's this, this great understanding that, that children are a blessing. That that's a, a great thing, and God calls them fruit. So from a physical point of view, and there's, this has got to do with children. You know, children often follow family traits. Um, we often get teased about the Halana nose, all right? And, and uh, they can tell, they said, you're a Halana because of your nose, all right? And I, I look, I tell my dad, I said, Dad, your nose has been everywhere, all right? Just, so whenever they, we go around, they go, oh, you got a Halana nose. And you can tell the cousins, right? And that's, that's how God built into it. There's a code called DNA, right, that just gets passed down. There's certain traits physically that you, you pass on. Some of you are regretful of that. Some of you are thankful for that. You can deal with the Lord about that. But then there's some characteristics as well. You know, there's the, the scariest day for a parent is when they look at their child and go, they're just like me. <laughs> they act, they, they do things, and, you know, sometimes sadly to their detriment because of our own fallen nature. But there's, a, there's that reproducing in another's life that God has built in, in that, that physical world. And we understand that. All right, apple trees make other apple trees. And, and so it's got to be inherently true of one for it to be able to be reproduced in another. So there, we see that, we understand that physically. But this is also a type for us to consider tonight. Because one of the fruits that we ought to bear is this fruit after our kind, in a spiritual sense. You know, we're meant to, we're meant to pass on the faith. There's, there's supposed to be others that we bring alongside and we bring along after us that's meant to reproduce or, or the faith is meant to be reproduced in them. And this has to do with children, but that's the, the physical blessing but, but in type, it's also reproducing others in the faith. You know, it's, it's interesting that Jesus Christ is the first begotten. And he started a, a spiritual lineage that we're meant to take on as believers. And if you're saved here tonight, then God has given you actually the ability to beget others in the faith. And, and what that is, you think about, think about how Timothy was... was was mentioned in that letter to him where Paul called him his son in the faith. It was a reproducing in another's life. And one of the things that, that is born out of spiritual maturity is our ability as believers to reproduce the faith in another's life. Now, we understand that, that, that the, the part of that is this thing called outreach or evangelism. It's 
really begotten in the gospel. You think about how God describes even us as believers. We are the household of faith. We're the family of God. So even in type, as we think about that, we ought to have the mindset that one of the fruits that we can produce in our lives is producing the kind of traits of the faith that are true in our life in another person's life. And it's really, it's really big, what we're doing is, is begetting in the gospel. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And, and notice the Apostle Paul here. And, and we know the, that, that really the, the larger part of, of Corinthians is this letter that was a correction to the, the church there in Corinth. But notice how Paul addresses them in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And notice, this, notice verses 14, and we'll read down to verse 17. I write not these things to shame you. And notice this, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. This is Paul calling the believers in Corinth his sons. Then he continues, for though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, ye have ye not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. And he's addressing the people there as a group. He's saying, you're my sons, begotten in the gospel. Saying, I bore you in the, in the fact that I, I brought the gospel message to you. And because of that, you believed in the first begotten, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you've been begotten in the family of God. You know, we, we often refer to that as being born again. But, you know, you've been born again into a family. And someone had to tell you, someone had to bear something in your life that was a, the truth of the gospel. And there's that reproduction. You know, the only way that we can reach the world for Jesus Christ is if we would just have a mindset of bearing fruit after our kind in another person's life. If we would just get the mentality that, you know, this faith that we've been given in the Lord Jesus Christ is so powerful and it's so important that we should tell someone else about it. That, that it made such an impact in our lives that's so important to tell someone else. And there ought to be that as we look at our lives, there ought to be a fruitfulness in those that we've told and those that we've won to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's fruit. That's spiritual fruit. He goes on in Romans 1.13, he says this, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, or prevented, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. You know, he considered the work of the gospel as bearing fruit in others' lives. If you get a chance to hand a track, if you get a chance to sit with someone, to, to speak with them about the gospel and their need of a Savior, you know what that is? It's just you trying to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fruit after our kind. And we see here that, that Paul did much begetting in the gospel. Again, in, in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 2, unto Th Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace 
from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And Titus 1.4, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. And he had this care because he understood the, the preciousness of the life that God can give someone else. And, and when he saw that in another's life, in, in that he invested in them the gospel, he saw that, he saw that as fruit after our kind. You know, the, the reality is this. If it's not a reality in your life, you can't reproduce it in someone else's life. If it's not that important, then we won't really go and tell. And yet, I want to remind you today that if you're truly saved today, there, there's a, there ought to have been a vast difference in your life. And Jesus Christ should matter. And, you know, our outreach endeavors, our evangelistic endeavors, they're, they're meant to be bearing the fruit of others that have gotten saved. You know, it's not just faithfulness, it's also fruitfulness that ought to matter to us. And whilst one will lead to the other, you understand that, that God's the one that will bear fruit in our lives. And so we go and we obey, we do the, our part, but God's the one that does the saving. And then in that we rejoice. In that we rejoice. You know, um, it, it's really intrinsic in, in the Great Commission. Look at Matthew chapter 28. And what are we talking about here tonight? We're, we're talking about bearing fruit after our kind in a spiritual sense is investing the faith in another's life, passing it on. And really that's inherent in the Great Commission, isn't it? In Matthew chapter 28, and you know, we, we, ought, to, we ought to evangelize, we ought to do our best to outreach. But you know, the commission isn't complete without this. It's called discipleship. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. But that second bit there saying, teaching them to observe all things. You know, our responsibility is to also, as that, that, that one gets saved, is to then care for them so that they may mature and grow in the faith. That, that's, the, that's the completion of the Great Commission. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. I'm saying tonight, we are called to reproduce what we have, what we have in us in others' lives. We're meant to, as, as God gives us the reality of, of what, what it is to follow Christ and what it is to know Him as our Savior, but then what it is that the Bible teaches about this doctrine and that doctrine and that truth, we're meant to produce that in another person's life. That's fruit after our kind because God's interested in not just fruit, but fruit that will remain. That's what He's interested in. And so it's in, it, we're, we're getting in the gospel, but it's intrinsic in that call, that commission. You know, I was chatting with my kids there uh, prior to us coming over here and just interested in their thoughts. I said, hey kids, who do you think should pastor our church from, our, from, from, from within? I said, is there anyone you can say? I'm just interested in what the kids will say. And they, they said a particular name and, and, and I asked them, why, why is it why is it that you thought him? And here's what they said. Here's what my kids said. Dad, he reminds us of you. He's the one most like you. And I was thinking about that, and, and it was one of my young men who was interning. He's real young, 
from an age point of view, and he's still a lo- got a long way to go, but he, they were saying, he reminds us of you. And you know, that really just struck me because I just realized there's a bit of begetting there, but you know, someone had to do that with me. And I, my mind went back to a time where there was a missionary in our church who came past and we were hosting a missions night and we were just, we had, we had a big group of people and the missionary came up to me afterwards and he said to me, he goes, he goes hey, um, Brother Hernan, you remind me so much of your pastor. And I, and I just realized there's this passing on that's been happening. There's been a reproducing of the same faith, the the same beliefs, the same practices, and that was becoming. And, and we understand that, that really at the end of it, it's about us producing Christ in others. It's not about just the characteristic. If we're doing it right, it's about producing Christ in others. He said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, Paul again, he says, My little children. Notice the, the, the verbiage there again, the wording. He says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again. And he says, until Christ be formed in you. And ultimately, what we're supposed to be doing is is working towards ourselves becoming more like Christ, but then watching that and passing that on to others so that they might be more like Christ. It's not just about our name. It's not just about a legacy. No, it's about the legacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what matters. It's about the fact that it was so precious that we just go ahead and we just pass it on. And, and really, that's the work. And in Titus chapter 2, go there with me. Titus chapter 2 tonight. And I, I, I love this passage. You know, for many years I worked in youth ministry. And I, I think this is, the, this is the passage for youth ministry and this is the passage for the church. Because this is really the pattern that we're supposed to have in Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men, right, the mature men, the senior men, be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Why? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say to you. There's meant to be this transfer. There's meant to be this transfer of the mature reproducing in the lives of others. You know, all of that that He's called us to, to be sober-minded and so forth, that's not for, just, uh, for us to, to, to keep. That's meant to be for us to pass on. And so I want to ask you tonight, if this is the kind of fruit that we're supposed to be seeing in our lives, what are we doing? You know, we, we say these you know, cute little sayings, well, every Paul needs a Timothy. Listen, that's true, but practically, what are we doing about that? Some of us here who've been here for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you know, are you looking around and are there those that have your resemblance? Spiritually, 
you've passed on some characteristics, some traits that are inherently Christ. But like I said from the beginning, you can't pass something on that you don't really have. So it's got to be a growing Christ in you before you can grow Christ in others. And that's a huge responsibility, but that's fruit. That's spiritual fruit. You know, the ultimate goal of of discipleship, the ultimate goal of the Great Commission is that Christ is formed in each disciple. And the fruit comes in the form of the lives we've invested in that is more like Christ. You know, I hope that we would desire as we get older and as we just continue to be faithful, that we would desire fruitfulness and we look back. And perhaps if I can say to you parents in your own children, you've invested Christ in them. Yes, it's great that they go through and they're successful in their, in their graduation. They're get, heading into year 12. They're finishing that. Then they're heading into, you know, just, just, they're just successful adults in their, in their own way. But it ought to be a much more, a greater desire in our hearts that Christ be formed in them. That's spiritual fruit. And I hope that we're looking around and we're, we're as in our, in our endeavors to reach out, we're just seeing that, you know, our work is, is, is that, that work is just a beginning work. That as we win them, we have a responsibility then to see Christ formed in, in them. And so that's a spiritual fruit. And again, that's, that's something that the, the Holy Ghost and the, the Lord Jesus in the reality of Him in you will form. But then I want you to note another kind of fruit tonight and fruit that's really shown in character. You know, there's there's certain spiritual fruit that, that isn't easily quantifiable. You know, we can look at, we can look, and I hope not pridefully, but we can look back perhaps and look at those that we've influenced for the Lord Jesus. That's a great thing. We ought to rejoice in that and, and praise the Lord for that. But there's certain things in our lives that it's not easily quantifiable. It's not, not, not really something tangible that we can look at. But, but it's seen really through this. It's a change of character. It's change. And you know, change can be hard to observe. Uh, only over time do you see change. You know, when you're with your kids, when you see them every day, you don't always notice how they're growing. Right? That's why you mark the doorposts. That's why you, you look at photos and you realize, well, you look different. <laughs> you look taller. You are taller. Or you can just look at your grocery bill because it's going up and up and up, right? But th- you see change over time. There's a growing change. And char- character is like that. Character development's like that. You don't see it overnight. You see it over a course of time. And, and there's certain spiritual fruits of character that's that way. And over time, we see people change. Over time, we see um, a likeness to these things. And the first one I want you to note, look at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. So tonight we've already seen the fruit after our kind. We rejoice in children physically, rejoice in the blessing of that, and we know that's God's blessing, but we ought to desire that we, we ought to reproduce the faith in others' lives. That's fruit as well. But notice these fruits of, of character. Verse 11 says, for wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride. 
and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Here's the first one. It's a fruit of wisdom. Wisdom is a fruit in our lives. And wisdom, here it says, it's more, more to be desired than all of the riches. You know, you think about the, the thing that you maybe physically and from an earthly point of view desire the most. Think about all of the things that are desirable in the world, all of the riches. He says that the fruit of this is better than, than any of those. You, know, you, could own, you can own a thousand homes and this would still be better, this fruit. The fruit of wisdom. And wisdom is simply, it's the application of truth. And, and can only be gotten really by, by the doing of it. It's a fruit that comes from exercise. And in James 3.13, who was a wise man and dude with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. There, there's, a, there's an exercise of it that then shows but, but it's also gained by seeking it from the Lord. We, say, uh, we see in James 1.5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and shall be given them. He says in Proverbs 4.7, Wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Hey, listen, if you lack wisdom, which all of us should say amen to, it's available to you. It's available to me. It ought to be something that we desire from the Lord. We ought to ask for wisdom about the way we, uh, we, we navigate through life. You know, we go through some situations that are new. We ought to ask for wisdom from the Lord. I know coming here, again, one of my primary prayer points that we've, we just pray daily through the moment by moment, we just, I'm just asking for wisdom. Hey, can I give you a newsflash? I don't know how to pass to you. I need the Lord. I need wisdom. Hey, listen, there's, there's, you're all unique. You're all individuals, and God's called me to shepherd. Listen, I need wisdom. Hey, you know what? These children that God's given me, they're new to me. They're changing all the time. I, I've, I, I met them at their birthday. And, you know, I'm starting to get to know them a little bit. And, you know, I need wisdom because I'm, I'm accountable for them. And what I'm saying is wisdom is a fruit that God can bear in your life if you seek it from Him. But I can, I'll tell you this, you can seek it. But it's just this, we sometimes forget that we lack it, therefore we don't seek it. And yet it's available to us. See, the fruit of wisdom really is in one's life can only be produced by fearing God. And the fear of God, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. Well, the fear of the Lord is this. It's just understanding who God is. It's not this reverential awe. It's a, it's a fear. It's an understanding of who He is. It's an understanding that, that He is sovereign and I'm not. It's an understanding that He's all-powerful and therefore I'm weak 
and I'm needy. That's the fear of the Lord. And too many times we're not needy enough. And, and the fruit of wisdom in one's life can only be produced by seeking it, but also by, by fearing God. And Proverbs 1.7, we'll look at that. We'll trace this through, right, in, uh, right through a couple of verses here. But he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In chapter 9, verse 10, let's quickly follow along. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Chapter 15, verse 33. says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. In Psalm now, Psalm 111, Psalm 111, verse 10, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. You know, you can't have true wisdom if we're not fearing the Lord. You understand that, that, that really when you think about it, the Lord Jesus is the, his, his wisdom. And so the fear of Him and the understanding of who He is, that, that is the gateway for us to have wisdom in our lives. You know, Job, in, in all of the dialogue there, he went through this. Look at Job chapter 28. Look at Job chapter 28, and there's, there's a couple of verses we'll, we'll cover here. He he goes through all of this reasoning. He says, but where shall wisdom be found? That's a good question. He says, where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof. Neither is it found in the land of the living. The depth saith it is not in me. And the sea saith it is not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold. Neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire the gold and the crystal cannot equal it and the exchange of it shall not be for jewels of fine gold it's similarity there to what he was saying there in in proverbs chapter 8 no there's no there's no um nothing to be desired is more than that no mention shall be made of coral or pearls for the price of wisdom is above rubies the topaz of ethiopia shall not equal it neither shall it be valued with pure gold whence then cometh wisdom and where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard the fame thereof with our ears. God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. For he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weights for the winds, and the, he weigheth the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain, and a way for the lighting of the thunder, then did he see it and declare it. He prepared it, yea, and searched it out. And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. So he goes through this whole dialogue of where do I find wisdom? He goes to every place. Riches, the sea, everything. He goes through all of that. And he concludes this, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And so tonight, if you have no fear of God, if you have no understanding of who truly God is, then listen, you're missing out on wisdom. There's a fruit there that is born out of just knowing God and understanding who He is and then having a, a healthy fear 
of who he is. You know, that's why we, we ought to help our young people. Can I just tell you what, what Sunday school And we ought to bring our kids. There ought to be an early understanding of who God is and what the Bible says about him. Because it will just do them good. Because what we want is we want there to be a fruit of wisdom in their lives. And we want that fruit. We ought to desire that fruit. And, and that comes over time as we're, we're understanding and growing in who God is. It's the fruit of wisdom. And then lastly, tonight really quickly, there's the fruit of righteousness. Positionally as believers, is that's another character. Righteousness, we understand positionally as believers, is imputed on us through Christ's righteousness. Right? God sees us through the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been placed on us. But it's a fruit that God produces in our lives. Righteousness really is the active following after what is right. And, and like we spoke about last week, it's, there's still a decision to be made. Right? In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness, uh, unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. He skips down verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. There's still a decision to be made. You decide who you serve. You decide who you yield yourself to. God, in His goodness to us, when He saved us, He gave this ability and the power to choose. Right, prior to that, you had no choice. You were a prisoner to your own sin. Right, when we look at the world, we look at the unrighteousness out there. It's, it's a wicked world. You know why? They can't help it. They can't help it tonight, church. That's their plight. But listen, if you're saved, that was you. That's no longer you. You can choose. You can choose to live right. You can do right. But here's what happens. We're hindered by our own desires. Because we still have this flesh to deal with. And, and sometimes we can call evil good and good evil. And we've got to know. And we've got to understand what, what is righteous. And, you know, the, the, the people in, in, in Amos's day, look at Amos chapter 6. They didn't quite understand. They, they were in a place where they were rebellious against the Lord. And look at their attitude about righteousness in verse 12, shall horses run upon the rock? Will one plow where there with oxen? For ye have turned judgment into gall, and the fruit of righteousness into hemlock. Hemlock is a, it was a, a poison. They saw righteousness as a, as a poison. They saw righteousness as something that was bitter. They saw righteousness as something that was undesirable. And listen, we, we live in a world where righteousness generally is undesired by the world. There used to be at least a bit of a moral compass in the world. But listen, we're living in a world right now that has a lack of the knowledge of God, and the result of that is just a lack of righteousness. And listen, don't buy into that. You know, we, we can sometimes just slide so comfortably with the world and go with the flow and, and go with the stream of things. And listen, we ought to go against the grain. And there ought to be in us just this, this um, understanding that, that, you know, that we ought to desire righteousness. We ought, to, we ought to fight against the tendency in our own flesh to not want to do righteously. See, the problem 
was that the people were living like righteousness was a poison to them. Hemlock was a poisonous plant. They didn't desire it. And I want to ask, firstly, as we think about this fruit of righteousness, do you desire it? You know, as God's child, you ought to desire righteousness because He is righteous. He is holy. He's commanded us, He said, Be holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. That ought to be a big priority for us. That ought not, you know, listen, when we see unrighteousness in the world, we ought not to laugh about it. It ought to be something that, that is hemlock to us, unrighteousness is. It ought to be something that we, we, we just, we ought to disdain it. It ought, to, it ought to just bother us a little bit. Actually, can I just say that? A lot. And we're hindered at times by our own wrong desire, but you know what then God does? He, he helps us. And how does He help us? He, he, sometimes we have to learn through hardship. Sometimes He has to help us by chastening us. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You know, we live in this time, and, and listen, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right, church? But, but sometimes he, he will allow chastening, and what chastening is is simply correction. In verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So he's saying if you're a son, you're truly one of his, then you'll, you'll go through chastening. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. Say, hey, listen, who was corrected by their fathers? Raise your hand. I've got my hand raised, right? We understand correction. We understand the rod of reproof. We understand how much that, has, that, that helps and why, again, there's just, there's just unruliness and rebellion in our world because we're not following how God prescribed rearing children are. It ought to be. So this chastening, he's saying, you know, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. We agree with that. But grievous. Nevertheless after it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. You know what it produces? That fruit of righteousness in our lives. You know when we're doing wrong and, and we, we're rebellious and we won't listen to God, you know what He does? He chastens us. That's not punishment. Jesus took the punishment. But, but sometimes He goes through and he, with a, sometimes a heavy hand, He corrects. And He'll do that sometimes through circumstance. But, but often He'll just do it with a firm word. You know, the, the Bible, the Scripture is, all, is given by inspiration of God. What is it? Instruction for Righteousness. And, and you know why we ought to come to church and why sometimes we're going to sit here while, while the, the pastor just comes heavy with the Word of God and he spits a bit. <laughs> he gets excited and animated and, and they go, oh, why is he angry? Listen, he's not angry. He's just, it's just instruction and righteousness. 
Sometimes we go through and it just seems like we're reading the Bible and, and God just seem, seems to just be pointing at us and saying, how about that? And just this heaviness through the, through, the, through the Word of God. And you know what that is? It's just chastening. And you better listen because He's trying to yield something in your life, the fruit of righteousness. You know, righteousness is a good thing. And righteousness is something that, that we ought to desire. And, and yet, yet we see that, that often we have to learn the hard way. We go through times where we just don't understand. Maybe there's, there's just a heaviness. Maybe there just seems to be in every circumstance God's allowing some things that are just hard. And what that is, it's just chastening. And, and you know what the Bible says? He does it to those whom he loves. If you never go through chastening, then one, just check. But secondly, if, if you are, then understand this. God is doing it out of love. And you ought to examine your heart. You, you, ought, to, you ought to come to a place maybe of just quiet reflection be, between you and the Lord and give Him the opportunity to show you. Maybe there's some, some hidden idols of the heart. Maybe there's just, just a way that you've been thinking. And maybe there's just a, a, a practice in your life that's just displeasing to the Lord. And, and you just need to pay attention. I remember um, just just coming out of high school. You know, I just realized this. You know, coming out of high school, I was just such an arrogant person. <laughs> I just thought I knew everything. Here I was. I had a calling from the Lord. I just I, I, I was trying to pursue ministry. Left high school, and and you just I was just in a, just in this place where it just seemed like nothing was going right. I was looking for a job, couldn't get a job. You know, I had, I had done a lot of things. I had done a lot of community things through school. I was school captain, all of that. I thought my, my resume looked pretty good for a high schooler. <laughs> but here I was, but, and what it was, there was some hidden, just deep pride in my own heart about my own achievements. And God had to make me fail over and over again. And I remember um, I, a couple of years later, and this, it just took a while. That's how stubborn I am. And just God kept hammering away, and I was actually house-sitting for my wife's family. They went over to the Philippines. And it just seemed like God just was just hammering me in His Word. You ever been there? It just seemed like He was just hammering me about every part of my life. And I remember just one morning I had just had it. It was just so heavy. And I just broke. And for hours I cried. For hours I just... Every verse that God, I highlighted, and I just wept before the Lord, and I remember the ease of burning, the correction was done. And not that I never needed correction again, I'll tell you what. But, but I just remember very vividly that, that, that morning after all of that getting up and sensing that God was going to turn some things around. And you know what, a lot of it was this, there was just unrighteousness in my own achievements my own pride. No one else could see it, but it was in there. And you know, God might be digging something out in your life, and what, what's it going to produce, if you allow Him, is the fruit of righteousness. You're going to be more righteous. You're going to be able to, to, to do right and see right in your life. And you know what? God, that, that pleases God, and that's a spiritual fruit.
And so tonight, we'll leave it there. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the, the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at all of that. But I want to tell you, church, tonight, just allow God to work. work. Walk with Him. Abide with Him. And He's going to bring some fruit in your life. And fruit glorifies God. That's really the most important thing. And if we have to go through chastening, and it produces that kind of fruit, then glory, all, all praise to Him. And we ought to desire that as, as God's people. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for the good day in church. And Lord, thank you for, the, for our church family. And Lord, we understand. None of us here, Lord, are perfect. Lord, all of us here, we can produce more for you. Lord, you want to see fruit in our lives. So, Lord, whatever that takes, dear God, help us to see, Lord, uh, a greater fruitfulness, Lord, in all that we do. I pray that you'd help our church family, Lord, throughout the week. Perhaps some going through some chastening, encourage them. Help them see what it is that you're, you're correcting in their lives. And then, Father, maybe it's, the, it's wisdom. Help us, Lord, to seek it. Help us, Lord, to desire it. Help us, dear God, Lord, to exercise it so that we might grow in it. And then, Father, Lord, as we look around, may we just see those that, that we're reproducing in the faith, Lord God. I pray that you'd help each family, help each one, Lord, as we go through the week. May you be glorified, and Lord, may you be praised in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, amen. Thanks.